Welcome to Thinking Outside the Box with Gavin Rubinstein. Conversations between Gavin and the people he believes have trailblazed by thinking outside the box in their field, industry, or even just in his office. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast, Mr. Dan White. I don't even think you need an introduction. If people don't know who you are, they, they better read up. You are the managing director of the entire Ray White group and White family group. Is that correct? Yeah. Of the White family group, there's a few of us involved, but yeah, managing director of Ray White. That's a very generous introduction, Gav. I think um, there'd be a lot of people that wouldn't know me, but uh, it is good to be here. Looking forward to you know, talking about our relationship and, and what comes from it. For sure. I think just your surname, White, is synonymous with real estate in the country. I mean, I've always said that name to me and I know to a lot of people is what I call, you know, real estate royalty, unbelievable family business, one of a kind, the best, in my opinion, franchise brand in the country, the largest real estate group. You're managing director of that. I mean, it gives me a headache, man. How many people do you look after under the umbrella? Give me like a... It is, uh, it's a big family. It's a big family. There's, uh, I think there's nearly sort of a ten to eleven thousand members of, of the group across that's Australia, New Zealand, yep. and Indonesia, yep. and in Hong Kong as well. So, it's a big, broad group. It's been a family endeavour for you know it's fourth generation now. Um, yep. As you know, yeah, 120 years this year. We are proud of the past, obviously, but very much looking ahead and realise that. Um, the perception of fourth generation, it could be old, it could be a bit stagnant. How dangerous is that? Yep. Look, it sounds like a lot, but there's so many wonderful, talented people in there and the company is blessed by that. So my role is made easier as a result. Your day is crazy. Like I said, when I think about it, I get scrambled. I look yep. at the people I look after at the moment, it's like 30. Obviously, we're looking to grow that at 75 with the new office and so on. But that gives me a headache. And and the issues that come up are so challenging. And I feel like my plate's so full. Yep. How do you deal with sure. running such a big corporation? Well, I think the, the quality of our team is critical and the leadership team across the group, and you know a lot of the guys you know, very well. First class, so yeah. they are. That's where really the, the momentum of the group comes from. And you know, the better they are, more capable they are, obviously, the less they come to me. And we've always been a business that really encourages decision-making on the front line. We encourage people to take ownership of their roles, to make mistakes, to, to keep pushing forward. So you know, be fair, a lot of people in our group don't really come to me as much as maybe in other places because there's that environment of to do that. And it's always been the way since before my time too. That's always been the culture of the group. When it comes to the, the members, it looks sure there's so many people in our group. Some are in contact with more regularly, love the contact. Some people are more autonomous. Yep. A bit like probably in your team as well. So yep. Yep. We, we get we get by, um, you know, the, the group has changed a lot just in the last three or four years mm-hmm. and um, just managing the, you know, the day is challenging, but it's a, it's a, it's a good one. From our interactions, any time I've kind of messaged you, reached out to you, no matter what's going on, almost no matter what time of the day it is, there's a response immediately. Yep. You know, I, I, how is what I'm trying to understand. Like, how do you deal with every task you've got to deal with? And do you ever have any days where you're like, screw this? <laughs> like, it, just to be completely yeah. honest, because I have some of those days and I'm like, what yeah. for? I can only imagine. Yeah. Oh, look, there's some moments. Obviously, it's, and it's industry as tough as you know, it has good and bad days. The business is a personal business and it's a fa- you mentioned family, the surname. It is that. If I'm not seen to our people trying the hardest on the front line, taking our company forward, if I can't be there, you know, to be back at, at them, I'm not doing my job. And I might sort of pay for this, but I ask say to people when they join, reach out to me. I'm, I'm there to help. Yep. I want to be a spring, we use the word springboard, you know, yep. how can we support you? 
you know, it's surprisingly some people do it a lot yeah. and I'm always with them, but the majority of them probably don't, whether they don't want to or whether they don't have to find the time to or don't think I'm genuine. Yeah. But, you know, when you offer support for people, it, it is interesting how a certain few take it up, but most don't. And, and so Brian's exactly the same, right? Yeah. I mean, exactly. you know, I, I know obviously started at the company yep. for Ray White when I was 19, 20 years old. Yeah. And whenever we were kind of pitching on a big listing in the earlier days, Brian would always say, reach out. Yeah. I mean, I still talk to him once a month or so, checking in, talking about numbers, but he's always available to help jump on and was more than happy to do so. Mm. So it seems to be a just a noble common thread in the family, I guess. Well, my grandfather used to have that phrase, you know, everyone's got a story, you're just going to stop and listen, was his thing. That's always been deep in our DNA as a family, that it, it, we must relate directly to our people. We can't be too inward-facing. We've got to be supporting them. That's what it's all about. And um, I've seen it. My, my, my father, he genuinely loves all the communication he speaking to it. you and everything yeah. else yeah. and everyone in the group. And that that's the joy of the group. If you don't love that, then you shouldn't be in it. That's the, that's the game we're in. And if, you, if we don't get a high from speaking to our people moving forward, then, you know, what's it all about? Yeah. Uh, and being family... It's not just a phrase or a word. It is we have to live it and breathe it. Brian jokes about, you know, um, I'd rather cut my arms off than sell a company. And, uh, yeah, you, you laugh, but he's serious like he would. He, there's no, you know, and then that role of custodian is is the word custodian is a big one for us, uh, for me and my brothers. It's it's not a business to be sort of sold or or an entity. It's a, We're a custodian for the next generation. The job is to make it better than the last one. That's really liberating. Once you sort of believe that, it suddenly realizes there's no finish line. There's no date we're working towards. We're not working to an exit. There's no sort of yeah. target we're trying to get to. It's just, it'll just keep going. Progression. Yeah, it's just, just constant progression. Best yeah. is yet to come. Do yeah. you think, so 120 years old. Yeah. Started in a, in like a garage, basically. Yeah. On a farm. Yep. In a, in a country town. Yeah. Country Crow's town, nest. right? Mm -hmm. Was that the intention? Like, was our intention, let's build the biggest, best real estate franchise in Australia? No. What was the intention? It was the humblest of beginnings. It was the most simple thing, providing for, you know, Ray and his family, a frontier town. <laughs> he was looking for something, you know, right. simple as that. And he knew that it was a, it was a sort of emerging community. He was, had a personality. He had salesmanship. He loved auctions. So he, he set up and just sold whatever he could get his hands on. And then he had to move to Brisbane to provide for his his kids were coming of age and they wanted to go to a better school. So, right. you know, he goes from Crow's Nest to Brisbane, which is probably a bit like, you know, us going from here to New York or something, yep. probably back in, you know, the 1930s. Yep. And then I think Brian really, he's very humble. Brian will never tell his story. Yep. But, you know, until you know, the early 80s, there was only a handful of officers in the company and it was really Brian deciding to push it forward. Push forward. There was southern companies like Hookers and those yep. firms coming up to Queensland saying, we're going to take over Ray here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Brian said, oh, hang on, let's, we're going to go the other way and we're going to become national ourselves. Otherwise, we're going to lose our position. So unashamedly, it was. I wouldn't say it was overly strategic. It was more just responding to how do we keep improving all the time, always wanting to relate well to the community, but yep. then recognising the threat and then being able to respond though and taking chances. It would have been easy for Brian to say, oh, I'm just going to bunker down in Queensland and sure. and." take what I can get. He said, no, I'm going to put it all on the line and we're going to head to Sydney and head to Melbourne and go to Auckland and go to Perth. And that was that was the moment of truth. The turning point. Uh, the turning point, yeah. Were the, you the, involved in these conversations? Because 80s, you, you, you would have been yeah. kind of in tune with it. I mean, do you remember these conversations? Do you remember 
you know, sitting around a dinner table and him talking about, hey, we're going to move to yeah, to yeah. Sydney. And what was that like kind of growing up in that awesome environment? Well, it was, just, it was yeah, pretty stressful to be fair because you could see, you know, you could see the stress. You yeah. could see the coming home at night and, you know, the concern and he was up in the middle of the night walking around. And, I mean, we had a blessed childhood. We lived in great environment, but Brian kept wanting to grow and do more things and, and he, he, he sort of fundamentally happy to take risks and back himself and the, the stress that comes with that. So it was exciting to be around it. I was always, my mother was always pushing us to make sure we didn't have to go into real estate. So it made us <laughs> do, you know, other things, which we all did <laughs> because she, yeah, she, she saw, yeah, she saw that and realized the business, real estate business is a tough one and we wanted a trade to fall back on or whatever the skill. So we, we made sure that we weren't, didn't have to go in the business because, you know, it was, it was, it was one from a mother's point of view, it was probably pretty, pretty challenging. And then of course we did that and the business flourished and went well, but it was certainly an environment of hard work. It was one of, you know, being able- He still works hard now, Brian. Well, he, he, he no does, yeah. The, well, it's different now. He, he, he sort of, he loves it now. And, you know, people say, why does he do it? It's because he just loves it. Sure. Like it's not, you know, to him, the work-life balance doesn't make any sense to him because it's like, what do you mean? It's just life, yeah. you know, yeah. I'd love it. So- um, Work is life. Yeah. So yeah. He, he lives and breathes that. But it, growing up, it was- you knew you were living in a family that was, you know, that was trying to push and uh, to grow and keep 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 getting better. That was a sort of the blessed environment I had. And entrepreneurship, a belief in building a business you can be proud of, building something that would have legacy. It's unbelievable. I mean, I just, to be a fly on the wall in those conversations and over that period, just subconsciously what I think you could have absorbed and picked up, I mean... People would pay just big money to have been there, right? Yeah. And that's a good segue into, so you've got two brothers, Ben and Sam, mm -hmm. and you run the real estate section. Ben runs the property management section and Sam runs the loan market. Yep. How did that come about? Like you say, everyone, you know, did different jobs, went different directions. Yep. You've all ended up back in the business. Did you guys sit at the table one night and just, just carve it up, flip a coin <laughs> and say, Dan will do Ray White? I mean, how did that explain that? Did it evolve that your skill set was in one particular sector? How did that work? couple of things. One was um, that we were all wanted to, in a way, do something outside the group. Working outside the company initially, you get some self-confidence. Strength. You strength. You don't feel like you've been handed something. Yep. Brian had a rule that we used to tell us it was brothers don't report well to, to, to brothers unless, you know, well, no, he and the business is different, but in his environment with, with Paul, they had separate areas. You know, Brian Paul had a did, brother, Paul. Paul, he works right. in the rural business and right. uh, and stuff. But so we-, we well, When he meant, sorry to interrupt you, just so I can reverse engineer that for my own learning. Mm. When you say that brothers don't report well to brothers, you mean if they're doing the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. Right. If they're doing the same thing, if they need approval from one yep. to the other, if yep. one brother can hold another brother back. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a that's a challenging environment. Look, some to be fair, some yep. brothers do it extremely well. I know I've got some good friends that are brothers in amazing businesses, bigger than ours, and yep. they they work side by side. Wow. So it's amazing. But but uh, we've always had that thought that as brothers we love each other, we get on well, but we stick don't want to work. Your to, stick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we we, we, we <laughs> went and did different things. I love real estate. I just why I started White and Partners. I loved investing in property. Yeah. Then started that business, and then that led me more to, to Ray White, Sam. Well, Ray White really was being challenged by hookers. Suncorp, which is the bank at the yep. time, bought hookers. They were getting into home loans. Again, a bit like the story before I told about Brian in Queensland. Yep. Sam thought, well, we need to be good in the finance space. We can't just not provide our members solutions with finance. So he started Loan Market back in the 90s. Which is now the number one broker in the country. Yeah, it does nearly, just heard. The 25% of all loans in the country. 
Um, so it's an amazing story. And then Ben um, went away. He studied overseas and did an MBA. He's most qualified of the lot, you know, academically and professionally done very well. He came back, saw property management industry as an opportunity to really enhance. And he has a business separately it's called ALO, which is Ray White is one yeah. customer. Um, Dave, certainly uh, not. My friend Dave Halliday is involved in that, yes, isn't he? Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah Dave yeah. Halliday is involved. Yeah. yeah. So that is more industry play than a Ray White thing. It needs to be because it's a big investment in tech that Separate. needs to that needs to go beyond the group. Yeah. So yeah, it wasn't a carve up, but it was sort of a lot of respect for each other. We all no sort of arguments. Knew we wanted to no, do it. No. Oh yeah, plenty of arguments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, plenty of arguments. I mean we you, still you didn't have any say, look, I want the real estate, I want the no. No, we didn't like it just sort of evolved like it was it wasn't a moment where Brian said Sam you're doing that there was never Brian never told us to do anything and there was no big grand announcement like, I don't even know when I became managing director of Bray White I don't, I'm not oh. sure when it happened or it, I don't even know if it actually has <laughs> that's what I call myself <laughs> but um, but it's just it just happened as a family we we were able to it's a big opportunity I think that's the thing is that any member joining a family business my advice is don't if you just go in to get a job somewhere, yeah, you're not taking the business wider. It's going to be hard for the generations to to get on. Yeah, if you can take the business wider and make it larger and more dynamic in different areas, there will be more space for siblings and yourself to to emerge and grow. Because you're also diversifying, right? You're diversifying the right. business. You're getting you're bringing new skills, new experiences. You you bring a different dimension to the company, and that's so much better than saying I want to go and get a job somewhere. I say to people, you know. Think of your family business as a, as a springboard or a platform. You want to add to it, make it bigger yep. than, than getting a job. And I think there's a slight difference there. It's sort of subtle, but it's a big one in terms of our ability as brothers and as fathers and as family to actually get on with each other and give each other room, but also take the company forward. I think that's been a good a good method for all of us and something, you know, whether that survives the fifth generation, you know, to a little call. Of course it will. I bet my money on it. Do you think that's why, I mean, you have a look at the franchise model. Right, just in general, let's generalize for a second. Mm -hmm. It's not what it used to be. Let's call a spade a spade. You have a look at other brands, X Ray White. We don't have to get into them. Everyone knows the big major brands. And from my perspective, over the last, say, five years, a lot of them have kind of disappeared into the ether. Ray White, however, has gone from strength to strength to strength to you've got market share. You've improved branding. You've improved technology. So you're almost bucking the trend. And I, I mean, that has to be one of the reasons why. What do you think are a couple of the other reasons as to why you've been able to do that? A couple of reasons. One, being a family business enables us to think long term and keep investing in the business. And you, always, know, the last you guys 10 years, are always on the front. Floor. So always, we're always putting putting a lot back into the business to make it stronger for the for the future ahead. We're not sort of beholden to external people wanting this or that. Yep. Um, I think the second one was we've never really believed ourselves as purely a brand. Like brands is, is a part of what we do. It's an important part. But we never want to be seen by our members as just being a brand. We want to provide real value to our members, leadership, you know, obviously skills, yeah, all, all that stuff. Yeah. And I think that's where maybe we've had source of our best success, plus obviously investing in our people. We've had long-term key leaders, you, you know, you, you know them well, over 20, 25 years and yeah. just absolutely, and again, an environment where they're encouraged to take their own leadership and take risks and make mistakes. So I think that's why, like, we're not complacent on it. It has been a bad five to 10 years for large groups, no question. We have grown our market share. It's been some good success. You guys are, um, you guys are dominated. Not just growing, you've dominated the space. It's just clear as 
like it's not even a in my opinion yep. and i watch it closely and i'm not like you know i'm definitely not the smartest guy in the room by any means but with regard to you know real estate marketing i think i've got a relatively good attention to detail and pattern and it's like here's ray white here's all the other big brands mm. you know and there's just I, I feel there's got to be more to it as you know it's a people game and to keep attracting good young talent you know in the world where you know, as you know, better than anyone, be able to create your own identity and profile. If you're just sitting back thinking, well, come to me because I've got a, I was good 10 years ago, plus I've got a good brand you can use. I mean, it's not going to get people to come or stay. It's going to be a different, whole different level of, and that takes a whole organization to be able to deliver that. Our franchise or team now, we've got 20 teams. And some people think that's madness. How do you have 20 leaders? Well, we have to, because we need Really good guy in, say, skills delivery. We need a really good digital guy. We need a really yep. good tech guy. Good head of IT security, marketing. Yeah, there's just 20 teams with 12,000 agents. I mean, that's- yeah, yeah, exactly. You need all these specialist areas because I can't relate to you in your business if I've got a generalist sitting there trying to do all those yep. things anymore. So yep. it is a much bigger organization we've invested in to be able to deliver those specialist areas. And that's been um, a benefit. And everyone in our group relates differently to those people because they're in different phases of their careers. Like we've got people specializing in succession planning. Yeah. You know, talk for about other groups. One of the biggest challenges for networks is people getting older in their businesses, not not driving them as hard. Getting complacent. And getting a little bit, yeah, getting a bit complacent on it. And then being able to actually have those conversations with them and say, well, you've worked extremely hard in your business. We can't let that business fail. We're going to keep it growing. How are we going to help you bring new talent through, get yeah. new young partners coming in, you know? Yeah. Another story. So and you're always at the forefront of that. And then kind of the message I got from recently attending the Connect conference, which you guys put on, which was awesome, by the way, 3,000 people, mm-hmm. electric night and, and a lot of fun. Yep. That was the kind of feeling I got, right? Obviously, separate brand now, but still attached to the white family group TRG is. So we're involved in all of these events and the, the recognition in the larger real estate community. But the message I was feeling was like, hey, the best is yet to come for us. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Well, that's certainly our... Key driver is that, and that's the no finish line feeling. The best has to be yet to come. But it was great to be there. I mean, you being there was, there was a lot of people that really, you know, despite the changes have happened, to see you there made a lot of, um, a lot of people commented on that. And um, it was, it was really good. I don't know how much direct commentary you had, but there's certainly a lot of feel. It was was good. And Mm. look, let's talk about those changes because I've I've been getting a lot of questions on them. Mm. Um, Obviously, the recent or not so recent now is two, three months ago that we announced we were kind of restructuring our deal, if you like, so that TRG would be a separate entity brand, which would sit under the white family group umbrella mm-hmm. alongside all of your other businesses and will no longer be a part of the Ray White network, but we would have the benefit of being a part of the broader real estate community that you guys have built so well and being involved with the recognition being able to benchmark ourselves on how do all these other phenomenal agents and phenomenal agencies perform who have. 100 employees who have been around for 10, 20 years versus when we're, you know, 20 employees been around for two years. Are we on track? Are we not? I've always seen value in that recognition part of what you guys offer. Before we get into it, Mm. Pulse, Mm. right? For people who don't know, it's an app where you can compare your performance in real time as an agent and as an office under the white family Umbrella, who came up with that idea? Because that is freaking genius, man. It's it is. It had well, to be one thing. person. It was built. Like, well, we had a few curiosities which we do in the in the corporate team. But Adam Downs from our Brisbane, you know, you met, would have met Downs yeah, from. Yeah. He's now a business owner. He's in a, Ashgrove he's in Brisbane. We had a couple of ideas, and we had a couple of really 
you know, rudimentary sort of. He's a numbers dude, didn't he? Or he yeah, well, he was a perform in performance. Yeah, and then um, he's now opened his own business up and doing very well. But he presented this idea, and it was, and our tech teams were in the room, our digital guys, and then suddenly they started building prototypes, and away <laughs> it went. And um, it's all built internally. It's there's a team on it the whole time. It's, it's changing literally every day. You can benchmark as you say anything: number of sales, NPS, you know, appraisals, whatever you want. Yet people. Yeah, I don't know, people are sometimes a little bit too addicted to it sometimes, but it is an incredible way that we can make the value of being a larger group. It's really creating a network effect. And also for me, it connects me with everyone individually. Yeah. I can catch up, I can go through stuff with them, or before I give them a call, I can see what they've been up to, even the recent sale or PBs, and you know, it's, it's, it, it's wonderful. It's just useful data. I love mm. that sort of data because what I find in real estate is numbers don't lie. Real estate agents lie. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and I'm speaking generally here, not everybody yeah. and not for the agents in Ray White, let's just say. But generally speaking, I like that the numbers don't lie. And the hardest worker of that past year, because we work on financial year basis, always wins. Mm. There's just no, mm. you know, there's no other explanation for it. The hardest worker is going to be in the top of that list. Mm. And it's somewhat a driver, like, you know, for guys like myself who was never going to play in the NBA. Right, these guys who kill themselves for a championship every year. This was my opportunity to win a championship. Yeah. You know, from the moment I started in the company, and it wasn't for any other reason but that recognition of the sacrifice, the effort, the commitment that we put in on that annual basis. You know, to get the reward at the end of the year, it's almost as important, if not more important, than the than the money mm. for for a lot of the guys who really value their practice and what they do for their clients and for their business. Is there anyone who doesn't like that process? Some people will ring up now and again wanting to be taken off. Yeah, right. Taken out, but very few. Yeah. And I think, as you say, we can all, you know, kid ourselves a little bit about how we're going and what the basic work we're doing, but Pulse is there in black and white. But some people care more about other things. Some people might care more about NPS score than commission or number of sales. So it it does cater as well to the individuality of the group. Yeah. And as you say, businesses, I mean, businesses, the key area of Pulse now is obviously real-time benchmarking of profit and and that sort of thing, which again- it's helpful. No, it's so it's so helpful if you're for decision making. Yeah. If, if you're a business owner, yep. I mean, even seeing, you know, we we obviously TRG came ranked number five internationally for the group across the whole board, which to me wasn't. I mean, I wasn't. I only celebrate number one. We know that, right? So I don't really celebrate unless we're number one, unless I get a number one award. Until I got the data around that, which was in that top ten, and we came in at five. Every other office had minimum a hundred employees. I think the the youngest business outside of us being three years was like seven years, ranging up to 40 years. And when you get that data, not that it kind of made me happy because it was five, but it gives you a bit of a nudge to say you are on the right track. And if you use that accordingly, I think as a business owner and or even a real estate agent, because it's applicable, yeah. you can do some good things with your business or take that energy and inject it into progressing. Yeah. But these are things that are leadership tools, as you say, like in terms of leading your team, giving them direction, showing them where you want to take it. These things like that is exactly the story you mentioned, using that information to be able to share with your teams to get number five, how crazy that was to get that in such a short period of time with the size of your team. There's that you as a producer and being that sort of super competitor and then you as a leader, you wear two hats. Sure. And and I think some try, of these things- to, but- Yeah, exactly. <laughs> probably There's probably a few more hats you might wear too, actor, radio host. But those leadership tools are critical to run bigger teams. Yeah. And that's why we love all that area. We we talk about, you talk about before about what we're investing in. That space is endless. That's going to constantly- 
invest. It's never finished, that stuff. That'll keep Just going on and on and on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I expect to look back on Pulse in a couple of years and hopefully be, in, you know, you think, wow, that was pretty average two years ago, you yeah. know? So that's where we're going. Amazing. Very exciting. So, yeah. so going back to the deal, yeah. our, our deal, our new deal, TRG, mm. White Family Group, Ray White, still connected to the White Family Group, mm -hmm. but not Ray White Real Estate. I had a lot of people say, why did you do that deal to me? You know, the, you, you know, and I'm sure you had just as much, if not more, say, why did you do that deal? So, I mean, firsthand for people who are interested in listening, it was the first deal of its kind in the residential space that you guys decided to do. Why'd you do it? <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> <laughs> this is, a, this is the great, no, it's a great, it's a look, and as we were finalizing things, we, we spoke about doing this session because Correct. we knew we'd get a lot of questions. And I suppose understanding you and your ambitions, where you want to take the group and your business, You've been with us since you were 19, I think. Correct. And you've, you know, you've brought us so much. We've been so lucky Appreciate that, you know, that you've been part of our company and your team. It's been, it's Thank been you. amazing. You want to grow. You want to back yourselves to keep improving and getting better. We love that. Like in terms of what's our role is to, we always say support ambition. Yeah. Support people. Brian always says that too. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It, it's, it, it's been his motto, you know, for how do we support, you know, where you want to go? So to think that we couldn't support you anymore. Even though you've been with us for a long period of time doing something, because the brand didn't fit what was happening, it was to me, it was a soft answer. Yeah. Some people say that, Dan, how can you possibly still say to me, how did you do that? What, like you're saying, you should have, the brand comes first, he's trashed, you know, the brand. I said, no, no, no. The brand does not work for where he's going, where his next office is going to be, what he wants to do. The brand doesn't fit. And not saying fit in terms of the market or anything else, but just fit with other relationships we had in that market and, and all that sort of things. It just didn't fit. Yeah. So, And by that, you mean obviously close proximity to the Wallara Ray White, close proximity to the Double Bay Ray exactly. White. Yeah. yeah. So respecting their ambition too, saying, oh, well, what's best for everyone was to support Gavin. To me, it was a natural, it, it spoke to what we believe in, which I said before, we, the brand is as part of what we provide. And if the brand can't work, the people that have taken our group to and showing us what's possible in so many different ways like you have, for us to sort of suddenly cut our relationship off over that to me was a weak answer that didn't take us forward. It only took us backwards yeah. by us not having a relationship moving forward. So, you know, it took a bit of soul searching and it was a new area, 120 years. I'm here, the fourth generation, doing something new for the first time. Right. You know, like, is, is this right? You know? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, tell, Brian, right? <laughs> Brian never did it. You know, he's obviously had his career. People speak yeah. about him. Yeah. So I'm in here now doing this. Yeah. Um, what have I done? Yeah, you know, there's a few cool. moments you wake up in the middle of the night thinking, you know, what, what's all this going? But fundamentally, deep down, why would we terminate our relationship over that? We can be of value to you. And, and, and the other thing too, if we could be of value to you, which we need to do, and we don't take it for granted, if we can be of value to TRG moving forward, how good is that for our Ray White members to say, hang on, Gavin still wants to stay connected with us, yeah. even without the brand, because he sees value in the group. How good is that for the Ray White members to say to your team members, well, you know what, there's a guy called Gavin, you know, one of the best in the whole country. He wants to remain connected with our company. That's the sort of group you're a part of. That to me is, is powerful. Right. And that to me shows all our members that the group's going forward and we can provide value to people. There has been, you know, pe again, people not agreeing with it. And how do you deal with that? Like, because yeah. Jason Andrew, CEO of Queensland, said mm. something to me when we were in the, you know, initial negotiation of me departing the Double Bay office and wanting to stay connected to the, the brand even at that point, right? And open up my own gig. Best and worst thing about Ray White is how big they are. And I assume that 
that kind of correlates to what you're saying because, I mean, I struggle to please 30 people. How on earth do you please 12,000? Mm, mm, mm. It just gives me a headache. Yeah, yeah. So how do you- Well, that, that's, that's the, the, a lot of the concern about people is, was what does this mean going forward for me? Because yeah. people see decisions like this and this, it's automatic naturally. Yeah. It's about self-interest or self-concern. Yeah. You know, yeah. How's this going to affect me? Am I going to lose my people? Am all my guys going to try and do- a TRG yes. themselves. Yep. Yep. There's a bit of that. What if I want, can I do a TRG? Yeah. Um, Does it set precedent? Are you going to do more kind of? What's a good question? I say to people that's asked me that question, I say, well, if you'd rather, in, in an area where, not unlike, so say say someone's in an area yep. where there's no um, issues like yours where they could just grow, and they yep. say, well, how would you feel if I just, can I just do a, my own version of that and drop the Ray White and have a direct relationship? Yep. I'd say if they've been with us a long time- It's kind of not a solution, is it? Well, it's, it, well, exactly. I'd say to them a long time, well, hang on. If you'd rather drop the brand and go, I need to understand why you're doing that. What have we done wrong for you yep. to want to do that sort of thing? So yep. it's not a natural answer for me to say, well, let's do this everywhere. Because I think the Ray White brand still has power and relevance where, where it can't go. But of course- it just provokes great. Com- I've had great conversations since. Yep. We're having those chats with people about asking them what they really want going forward. And how can we be a value to them? Is it setting a precedent? I've said to people, look, this is really a, like if you'd read the, we're a family business. There's been no board paper. We didn't get a consultant. <laughs> McKinsey's haven't come in and asked for a review. Like there wasn't a a fancy no. vote. There was no family vote. It was just we catch up every Monday morning. The family asks, how are you going with it all? I tell them. I just say this is what we think we should do for Gavin. Is there a uh, a big document, no one's seen a strategy. We're, no, it's not. Will there be more of them? I don't know. I just want to firstly show that it works, um, prove value to you. I think there always will find answers inside the Raywide Group. We've done that for 120 years. Yep. The East is pretty hard, 25% market share in the East, right? It's hard and growing. And growing. And growing. And a lot of people don't understand it was actually a solution, yes, for me, but it was a solution for Raywide Wallara yep. and it was a solution for Raywide Double Bay. Exactly. Did yep. you ever get the shits like this little guy's causing me so much headache? You know, <laughs> three years prior to this, he leaves, uh, you know, a top performing office and he wants to start his own gig down the road and we've got to facilitate that. You know, like that was also a process, wasn't it? Yeah, that was a process. That was that was a process too. <laughs> We've had some fun. Yeah, you certainly <laughs> kept life interesting. You kept life interesting. Um, I look a bit older and a bit bit greyer, but I think the I think the point is is that I think all leaders, well, everyone in business needs to recognise the difference between good and bad problems. Yeah, and the issues that. God. You might have created are good problems. Yeah, they come from, and you got to keep reminding yourself of that. Just when you get, when you feel like a bit out of control, you think, "Oh God, you, the reason growing pains." These are these are things yeah. that come from success. Great and, and if if they're not coming from success, then they're real problems. Like, for example, you here in the east created some issues for us to resolve, and hopefully we've worked them out really well for everyone. There's other markets where I don't get any calls on. And there are no issues, and I, I can sleep at night on no phone. But we got nothing on there. There's yeah. nothing. There's no one there. Yeah. Well, we're, they just we're go and make a decision. Yeah, we're, yeah or we're, we're just not pushing. So I think you just have to. We just have to realise in this, especially in our company, that these issues are coming from a good place. Yeah. Um, and unless you can confront those issues, good problems, and be prepared to address them, and maybe change a few the long-standing principles, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, maybe I should be the the areas where I'm not getting any stress. Are the probably ones I should be digging in because they're the ones where we're, we're just not stagnant. They're stagnant, yeah, exactly. It's an unbelievable perspective. I'm going to adopt that into my thinking and and my own approach because life is so much a perspective game, isn't it? Right, and and even just thinking about like ten issues I've had this morning. If I had that perspective, 
I probably would be able to deal with them better. And it's true because, you, you know, as you grow, you go through growing pains. Yeah. Do you agree with this statement? You're paid in correlation with the level of problems you solve. Yes, I do. Yeah. I think you're paid in correlation with obviously, you, as you know, the hard work and effort you put in. I think you're paid too in this industry too for, and I heard some of the other sessions you've done, just, just being around and sticking to it long enough to, to get the rewards and the, and the luck that comes your way yeah. with that. You know, like your story too, and a lot of our stories of the guys that you know, the top guys are on the stage with you the other week. A lot of great I mean, guys. A couple, a couple yeah. of younger guys. But most, most people's stories are 10, 15-year stories yeah. of, of hard work and effort to be there. Which society today and the younger generation coming through, unfortunately, from, from my feeling, doesn't quite grasp. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if you, you kind of feel the pe same way. Pe but. Well, people, you know, as a man of mine said the other day, you know, the, the people – Say, yeah, luck's important, which it is, but you've got to be around long enough to get the luck when it comes your way. Hang around at the barbershop long enough, you're going to get a cut. Yeah, exactly. You know, I always kind of use that concept, even though it's a little bit more simple. Yeah. But I agree. I mean, I think the talent at at Ray White is just, it's the, the competition is fierce, which which I love. I remember before Josh Tesla, who just got number one, unbelievably hard worker, and congratulations to him on that, was talking to me about coming over to Ray White. And, you know, he was weighing up, do I start my own? Do I come to Ray White? And I was like, you can start your own. I mean, it's not going to predicate your success, but if you come over here, you get to compete with me mm. and I get to compete with you and you get to compete with Dave Walker's of the world. And it's like this level of competitive tension, I feel, for the right practitioners, for me anyway, brings the best you know, out of me. And I think that's so important with this group. Another brand, not to mention their specific name, but I know a particular top performer in that space who has been there for like 15 years. And my question mark to them is just who's your competition? Like there's no, there's no one else in the brand for you to compete with. So of course, you're going to constantly hit that number one spot versus ours. It's a moving target. Um, you look at the sales position category. You know, I did that seven, eight years in a row, whatever it was. So that was good consistency. But now in the principal category, different beast, mm. different sort of beast. And so, you know, last year was pipped, did a great job, had a bit of distance on on Vivian. I think he did. A win's a win, but we get to go again this year. And it's it's just, it's enjoyable to be part of that. I think, I think rivalries have been in every industry, you know, you think of, you know, uh, Perkins and Hackett, the swimming or, yeah. you know, you know, all the way back to someone saying about Michelangelo and Botticelli or whatever, you know, competing for attention. Like the rivalry pushes people further, so you know, all industries. I and yeah, yeah. I think to ignore that, it doesn't, say it doesn't apply in business, doesn't, doesn't uh, make, I mean, we, we obviously, this business. we look at market share as a great driver for us. You know, we, we yeah. study that and, and that's a great driver, that rivalry too. So I think if we're not creating a, a healthy rivalry amongst our members to help them improve and get better, and that's all levels, like PB, first years, so we, as you know, recognition for Personal us is massive. Best. You yeah. talked before about being recognized on that night for the enormous amount of hard work and sacrifice people put in. Could not agree more. Yeah. And, you know, talk about before one thing's backing ambition, the other thing is to recognize and give praise to people for the sacrifice they make. And if we don't do that, well, not only is it bad for business, it's just very poor form to not, not to recognize that that sacrifice has gone through, you know, through people like you mentioned before. Yeah. I mean, you've obviously studied this business since you were born, right? It's just been part of your whole, whole makeup of yours and your family. What makes a great real estate practitioner? Because- there are lots of good real estate practitioners. There are plenty of average real estate practitioners. Mm. Greater a dime a dozen. 
greater a diamond doesn't. What's the makeup there? What's the kind of, from your observations, because I know you're a freak for detail too, mm-hmm. what comes to mind when you think great practitioners? And I'm not talking necessarily people, you know, you, know, you can't pick and choose, but yeah. in terms of what they do, how they do it. I'm blessed, as you say, all the people you mentioned before I get to work with day in, day out. They're all different. Yeah. They've all got different strengths and different weaknesses and different people. Yeah. And they all, I used to look for that early on. What's the one trait? There's not, I don't think there is one. There's a common trait across all of them. Which is? Which is obviously extremely hardworking, attention to detail, good communicator. But then that's, that's goes for a lot of people. You get a lot of people that perform at a great level, at, at a good level you mentioned before. But to get to that upper echelon, I think you can, when you talk to them, it's like an art, not a science. You can understand when you're talking to them why it is they're so successful, but it's impossible to actually put it on a piece of paper and explain it. Yeah, right. So those guys you mentioned before, like say Josh or something, you know Josh well. Workhorse. But like, yeah. and David, when they speak, they don't waste a word. Yeah. They know exactly where they're going. They want to communicate very effectively and directly. All the people you mentioned, you mentioned Vivian, you mentioned Matt, all those, all yeah. those guys. Yeah. There's a way in which they communicate to people that grabs people's attention and builds immediate trust and respect of them. Yeah, um, which is very important. Which, which is the rarest of things. Yeah, in real estate. <laughs> in real estate, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you see the there's a lot of temptation for people to you know, exaggerate or to be too salesy yep. or whatever, yep. Yep. and they talk too much and yep. all this sort of stuff. But the very best in the commercial space as well, their ability to cut through and build trust and rapport with communication that is at the at the cutting edge is what separates them. But you see plenty of guys like that but don't have the work ethic and don't have yep. the heart and don't have the the persistence and, and the competitive nature. Yeah. So it's all those things put together. And I think that in combination with like you say, hanging around for long enough, barbershop, you're gonna get a cut. You know, when you kind of have the the compound of what you just described yep. with that tenacity, persistence around wanting to constantly progress compounded over time, I think that's when you you get these yep. guys, right? Yeah, no question. I think the competitive element and the absolute resilience to stick through different times is, is fundamental. Breaks a lot of people. Breaks a lot of people. There's a lot of people talking now in the market, getting a bit, oh, great, I can't wait, yeah. you know. Yeah. But it's like, oh, hang on, are you ready? Market's great. Mm. Perspective, man. It's, it's, it's just yep. what we discussed before, you know. We may not be where we were at 2021, but we're still far ahead where we were at 2019. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's got to be the message. We're going to wrap up shortly. Just, I'm big on lessons, right? Big on, I mean, just quickly, you're a very educated guy. Did you learn more studying or in the prac side of life when you were applying? Definitely the prac side. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a long way. Yeah. I, mean, I remember starting a business with some friends at university yeah. um, days and we'd had a business on the side. And I remember um, the guy said to me, can we go and pitch the business idea to your father. Yep. Because he's a good businessman he, at the time, you know. Yeah. And then we said, yeah, I've got a line of meeting went in and um, we pitched the idea and they said to Brian, what do you think of the business idea? He said, oh, I don't know. Well, I don't have anything to sort of say. I don't know much about the industry. I don't know. So good luck. Anyway, and then I walked out of the thing and um, my mate was saying, what was that all about? That was strange. Like your father selling real estate. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, saw, I saw my father that night and said, what was, what was that all about? Like a bit weird. I thought you'd tell us what was good about it or bad. He said, look, I, I just want you to experience it without any preconception and I hope you fail. God. God. <laughs> so um, it was, and it, did, it didn't work out and we yeah. did learn a lot through it. Yeah. So I think you have to try a lot of things before you land on on success. There's no shortcut. You can't. 
get around that by reading textbooks or studying lectures. You've just got to go through it and go through the grind. Getting the deep end. Yeah, and, and going through, like for me, GFC with White and Partners business was tough. You know, we yeah. had a lot of property. Yeah. We had property with debt. And yeah. We had to go through all that stuff. And that was a- I like how you that say was, we had property with debt, meaning you got no property with debt now. Yeah. <laughs> back, little, back in the days. Well, touch, you know? touch wood, the debt's, that's better now, but that was better than two MBA. I mean, I could have- that was way better than anything like that. So yeah, no question. No qu- look, I love the theoretical side. I love sure. reading, and sure. you know, we've done a lot of stuff. I've studied overseas, and I, I really love working with Boris Grosberg from Harvard. He's a big mentor for us. Is that in Boston where you went? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. I, and I love, I love that side. Jared wants me to go there because I'm not a studier, but he's like, when things calm down, I want to, I want you to go there and and have that experience. I'm like, mate, things ain't going to calm down for a long time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good look at both sides is is important, but you can't substitute, you know, the, the, the actual prac side. side, yeah. And on that, like you'll, and I know this is always a tough question, right? Mm. Your biggest lesson, yep. like you experienced so much. I mean, yep. it, maybe not your biggest, but some of the most relevant that come to your mind. Yeah. What, what do they look like? My first big lesson of working inside a business was I worked for a company called Arthur Anderson in Brisbane just after I left university before I came to Sydney. Right. You grew up in Brisbane, right? Yeah, yeah. And then I moved to Sydney soon after work at Macquarie there and had some great people to work for there. But this guy that I had a part, I went on to leave Brisbane go to Sydney. Right. And I didn't know what to do. I needed help to get out of where I was to get to Sydney. I wanted to transfer with Arthur Anderson. Yep, same company. To Sydney, same company. Yep, yep. So I went and saw the partner yep. and said, I want to move. He said, oh, do you do you want to move to stay with us long term? This guy was a good guy. I said, no, I'll, probably not. I probably just want to move to Sydney and, and use it as a chance to. He said, well, just tell me that. I'll, where do you want to work? I said, oh, I'd like to work at Property Trust. He said, I want you to try and Macquarie. I'll help, help line you up. Wow. And that was for, me, for a young bloke to, to go into the head partner's office and a guy to give you that level of support. So yep. my view since then, I probably had that maybe before then, was the whole live and let live. You know, you got people that work with you. You're their role to support them and their and their growth. If you try and sort of hand them in or corral them a certain yeah. way or hold them back, yeah. you're not going anywhere. And that that guy then became a great mentor and a friend of mine, right. Richard Friend. That was a great lesson for, for me. And the other lesson I think was obviously being around my father's been a big part of my career and, and my Sam as well and Ben, they're both all all great leaders. Yeah. I think the whole concept of our role is really to you know, let other leaders flourish, giving them space to move in the same way I learned from Richard Friend's been probably the, my best experience. You don't have to have all the answers. Yeah. I remember Brian saying during the um, GFC, I was trying to plan out what was going to happen. He said, you don't, you don't know what's going to happen as a leader. You just got to do your best with what's in front of you. Yeah. And that was always a great lesson for mine is that a lot of leaders think they have to be forecasters or professors of what's going to happen or give all the answers to people. I like that. It's just deal not, with what's in front well, of you. Well, you can't, you don't know. As long as I think people need to know that you've got an unwavering faith in getting through to where you want to go, yeah. but you, you don't know how you're going to get there. That's being honest. But we'll get, we're going to get there. I don't know how it's going to happen, but you know that I'm going to be with you all the way. <laughs> and that 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 was the the environment I had, uh, especially during GFC with my family. Was and that is liberating again as a leader to know that you don't have the answers to how you're going to get where you want to go. That's what your team will do with you. And owning up to that to your team early on is 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 a good yeah. thing. Where does that where does that confidence come from? Which is like. We don't know what it looks like, but we know we're going to get there. Yeah. And like, I mean, I've got similar on a much, much smaller scale in my own world, but where do you think that that comes from? Is that the years and years of foundation and work that went into building that yeah. that brand? Well, I, th- I think you, you find little successes give you confidence, and I think you can just yeah. sort of, yeah. if you've, like I think in real estate, to be honest, the hardest part's often to get started Momentum. and get going, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the next, next bit's 
you know, if people don't realise sometimes that sex is probably easier than the, the, the hardest bits, your first sale, yeah. first listing, yeah. your first, you know, the first time you, you, you hit a lead. So I think that just that confidence comes from within and speaking to people, the more, more good leaders you speak to, you realise they don't have the answers either. But that's, that's been my um, couple of key memories for me. Amazing. Um, before we wrap up, final question, really appreciate your time. Know you're busy. Got to ask you, market predictions. What are you seeing holistically from, you know, looking after 12,000 agents and what yep. do you think is going to happen over the next six months? Certainly hard to generalize. Last few years, every market was always going up together. Now we've got changing markets everywhere. So we now we look at everywhere differently. New Zealand's had more rate rises, more uncertainty. Their market's a long way off compared to what it was and worse than Australia, like just in terms of volumes of sales are down more significantly. I think the big question, Gabe, is like, if between now and Christmas, there's no more expectation that rates are going to go up more than we think they will, yep. it'll probably be a better run into Christmas than we thought before. Their stock hitting the market, is the stock levels overall aren't too bad. And the buyers out there, but at levels that not where they were before. Yep. But that will level out as vendors get more understanding and see more transactions. Stock seems tight in my, I mean, I've got plenty and never enough, but a good amount, but just generally speaking, it seems pretty tight in East. Yeah, I'm, I'm, East, East is there's definitely time talking more the whole right. the whole country. Yep. Sorry, mate. Yeah, yep. I know you yep. just live with all you care about and suburbs, but there is a world out there. Is there a world there, outside? A, there, there, there is stuff, <laughs> but there is stock coming through elsewhere. Okay, but I think look, people are buying property now, knowing rates are going to get to three. You know, the cash rate's going to get to three, three and a quarter. Yeah. If the RBA comes out and says it's going to be higher than that, but my brother made this point last night, Sam. I um, don't normally give credit to older brothers, but I will this time. I give um, credit to my brother. I give him too much credit. Too much, yeah. No, 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 no such thing. But that. he said, someone asking about interest rates, what's going to happen? And they think, you know, Sam runs a loan market, massive business, he should know. And he said, hang on, the guy that runs the whole RBA, whose job is to know. Doesn't know. Doesn't know. So who, what are we going to just make it up? Just deal with what's in front of us. Exactly, yeah. It was, it was an interesting, um, interesting sort of perspective. That's gold. Dan, I just wanted to say on behalf of myself, my brother, the entire, you know, TRG, we appreciate your support, always have. It's been unconditional since the beginning. No, it hasn't been easy. It's been a challenging road, but um, from the bottom of my heart, thanks for everything and thanks for coming today. Appreciate yeah, your time. Ple- pleasure, Gav. Thanks for everything too. Thank you for listening to Thinking Outside the Box with Gavin Rubenstein. Subscribe now for future episodes.